What's next? Next step. Get the next man up. Next step, take the next step. Next up. Next up. Next. Up next. Next up. This team wants to be next. This is Next Up with Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy. Let's see. What's next? Next. Good morning, Houston. What's going on? Live over here in the Uptown slash River Oaks area. Stan Norfleet. That's Chris Gordy. Josh in for Trey on the other side of the glass today. Appreciate all of you for tuning in, as you customarily do here on the best sports talk station, number numero uno in the city of Houston. That be Sports Talk 790. Name of the new show is Next Up. As you heard, I appreciate Andy Kalu for passing the torch. We continue moving things along here. It's been a long week. It's like Thursday. It feels like... We've been doing this, Gordy, for two weeks in a row. Uh, but here we are, Thursday, whatever this is. Is it February 16th? Appreciate all of you for supporting the Sean Salisbury Show, which you obviously hear weekdays, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. just prior to this show. Those guys have a ton of great banter, good communication. You should hear the handoff. Like, we're in agreement. We got stuff that we got to, uh, I want to address. Some things they talked about that I want to continue. Gordy and I have topics that we need to flush out. Uh, Gordy got a little spirited yesterday. Uh, do you enjoy that, though? Do you enjoy yelling at new people? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or is, is this like, because there's APD Gordy and then there's fandom <laughs> Chris Gordy. I think we got fandom Chris Gordy yesterday. Uh, obviously taking your calls throughout the program, 713-212-5790. Stan, get to it. Kansas City Chiefs had a Super Bowl celebration parade yesterday. Uh, I saw some Bush League activity, and it just made me think about here in Houston. What would a parade for the Texans look like here in Houston? What would it feel like in the city? Uh, I'm curious to hear what you all think about that. Again, phone number 713-212-5790. You can certainly hit us up on Twitter as well. But the thing that we didn't get to yesterday referencing the Texans, Gordy, is uh, ESPN's Todd McShay released his latest rendition, if you will, of a mock draft. And you and I went back and forth, and we're just discussing the Texans' options of what they would do with the number two pick. Conversely, what does that mean for the number 12 pick, so on and so forth. So I'm going to just start out this way and come to you, Gordy, and say right off the rip, as many anticipate, the Colts trade up with the Bears to move up to get the number one overall pick, and the Colts select Bryce Young out of Alabama right there. Right off the rip, your response to that? Um, I mean, I, it makes sense. Um, you know, if you're the Bears, I, I still think you're best served getting that foundational defensive piece, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, whoever you think it is. Maybe they have both those guys evaluated equally, and they think they'll be able to get one of them at four because, you know, the, uh, the Cardinals are going to be taking – one of those guys at three. I think it would be Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. So if you're the if you're the Bears, if you can resign yourself to the fact that okay, we're we're fine with either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, we'll trade back to four, we'll take whichever one falls to us, okay. I still think the Bears' best decision is to stand pat and take that take that defender there that you know you absolutely positively can get. I disagree there, and here's why. Let me give you the Mc, the McShay package that the Colts offer the Bears to move up. They swap one and four, 
and the Bears pick up second rounder number 35, a fifth rounder, and perhaps even a first rounder in 2024. For that, already having a franchise quarterback in Justin Fields, if I'm Chicago, I take a step back. Are you in that case, right? They, they trade it up. They take Bryce Young. You have been singing the praises of Bryce Young. You're not alone. I'll get to that here momentarily. McShay had something to say about that. But they have at the number two spot, the Texans taking C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. You view them as on the same level. I think they're close. I, I don't. I don't think they're. You know, again, I, I I have more of an affinity for Bryce Young. But if the if the Texans do all their scouting, all their evaluations, and they like Stroud just a little bit better, or let's just say they have them equal, and the Colts jump up and grab Bryce Young number one, then I don't think. Yeah, you're not sweating. You're not. You're not. You know. You go get C.J. Stroud, and you feel good about it. I think that's fine. But to, to your point, like, the return for Chicago, I get all that. But, like, how much do they fall in love with Will Anderson when they put the film on? Like A lot. Like, again, <laughs> Arizona, Arizona at three is a problem for you. Because Arizona at three is going to take one of those mm-hmm. defensive guys. They sure. need it. So if they take Will Anderson and you trade it back to four, well, you just screwed yourself. So, again, how much are you willing to give up? Like, if, if you can settle, if you can be fine with taking Jalen Carter at four, then okay. But, like, just to, to, to get all those future assets, I get it. But, like, if you fall in love with Will Anderson, then you got to take Will Anderson number one. Here's why I think the Texans fans should be concerned if, indeed, Chicago were to move out of the one spot and trade with anybody, in this case, the Indianapolis Colts, and Bryce Young is off the board. Here's what Todd McShay had to say about Bryce Young going to figure out where the rest of the quarterbacks are going to go, mostly third, fourth round. This year, it's going to be completely different. Bryce Young, in my opinion, not everybody's opinion, but Bryce Young, in my opinion, is the number one quarterback. He's special. He's a smaller Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, the way he plays. ESPN draft expert and analyst Todd McShay comparing Bryce Young to a to Patrick Mahomes, and I'm reading a quote here. Quote, he's a smaller version of Pat Mahomes. Presence in the pocket can feel the pressure, vision of the whole field, touch, timing, accuracy. Quote, Bryce Young is different. If D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario believe that Bryce Young is truly different and he's Patrick Mahomes-esque, then you can't stay it too. You have to be willing to mortgage future assets to move up with Chicago and negate this onslaught by Indianapolis to go get your franchise guy. Now, I'm, ma- I'm making two comments, Gordy, I'd like to get from you. One, what I just said about moving up, no, if you think he's Pat Mahomes. Number two, there's a clear separation, if that's what the evaluation says, between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Does hearing McShay say that, in the context of you know another team wants to come up to one, change how you view what the Texans should do at two? No, because again, like I just from the film I've watched on him, again, I like Bryce, but I, I think Stroud's not that far off. Now, I'd be curious to hear what the Texans, you know, scouting staff and their evaluations are on CJ Stroud, uh, among others. But, um, I, look, it to me, it's a hard dilemma because you had that number one pick for the majority of the season and your dumbassery, you know, of 
fired head coach Lovey Smith goes and you know wins that game in week week eighteen. You should have played with the man. Two. This is what you get. Yeah, yeah, I mean it is what it is. <laughs> but just because, like in that sense, that you held that number one pick all season long and then you lost it the last week, and now we're talking about trading future assets to move back to number no. No, no, you, you're, you're here for a reason. No. Everything happens for a reason. Gordy, no, you're here for a reason. Gordy. You pick it too. Gordy, I'm gonna say this again. Uh, and folks, feel free to hit us up again. 713-212-5790. Todd McShay just said in circles that he's talking to where well, his valuation, people he's talking to, he believes Bryce Young is a smaller Pat Mahomes. If that's what they believe, Gordy. There is nothing I'm not willing to trade up to go get Bryce if that's what you feel. Now, that's not what I would do with Stan Norfleet as GM Fleet. I wouldn't do that. And the reason I wouldn't do that is because in the history of the modern draft, and we're going back 25-plus years, we've never seen a player under 6 foot, under 200 pounds, get drafted in the first round. We've never seen it. And so Todd McShay, and I saw some other things, he lists, he says he spoke with Bryce, and Bryce says he's coming in, or he spoke with a talent evaluator that personally measured Bryce. He said Bryce came in just over five foot ten. Bryce told McShay personally he's weighing about 193 pounds now. He's had to bulk up to get to that. So then you start wondering, okay, how much additional weight can Bryce legitimately carry? Now, he's going to grow into his grown man body. We all know that. If they feel he's Pat Mahomes, you better go get him. Yeah. Now, I, and, and if you end up with C.J. Stroud, and, and this is why I come to you real quickly before we wrap up, we'll continue this on the other side, but don't settle for Stroud. Either you love him right. or do something oh, else no, no, with I'm the number two. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. If you're, if you're you know, if it's understood that the Colts are going to trade up to number one and get Bryce Young, I'm not getting a bidding war with that because I, I ain't giving up all my future assets, but I'm, I'm, I'm putting every resource possible into evaluating everybody else. At C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Put it this way. If it's close between Anthony Richardson and, and, and C.J. Stroud and your projection, your scouting, then I'm passing on Stroud at two. And I'm taking Anthony Richardson at 12. So, you know, like that. that's just my thought is you're not going to force it and take Stroud if you're not in love with Stroud. But, you know, but again, I'm not mortgaging the future to go up and get Bryce Young. I understand what he's saying. If Bryce Young is the next Mahomes, but what if C.J. Stroud's the next, I don't know, Justin Herbert? You know, like, I mean, they could both, there's a world where they could both be really good. This is true. But uh, the odds yeah. say one of these is going to be a star, one of them's going to be a bust. For sure. That's the voice of Chris Gordy, one half of what we do here on Next Up. Coming up, more Texans conversation, 1030. We'll be joined by ESPN staff writer for the Houston Texans, DJ Bienemy is going to join us right here next up. Taking your phone calls always, 713-212-5790. If Bryce Young is Pat Mahomes, y'all cool with trading up? Sports Talk 790. Next up continues now. I'm a new listener and already a huge fan. I'm a new listener. I love the show. With Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy on Sports Talk 790. What's going on, H-Town? Stan Fleet here, Chris Gordy alongside, and this is Next Up. Continuing the conversation. Todd McShay, ESPN know-it-all. No, Todd's a good dude, man. Uh, Todd McShay is heavily plugged in 
on the NFL draft evaluation circuit, released his mock draft yesterday. Gordy and I did not get to it. We're doing that now. And what does that mean for the Houston Texans? In the mock draft, uh, for those that did not hear, Todd McShay has the Colts trading up with the Bears at one, swapping ones, a third. Uh, what did I say, Gordy? I got to go back now. It's a third of it's like a third, a fifth, and next year's one is what the package that it would take to move up. So I pose two questions. Excuse me, a second, a fifth, and next year's one. Todd McShay, and I played some sound from him saying that Todd McShay believes that Bryce Young out of Alabama is a smaller Patrick Mahomes. It's the smaller part that makes me nervous. However, if D'Amico and Nick Casario believe that he can be Patrick Mahomes, then you can't let the Colts jump you. You have to go get him. So I'm like, okay, that's what I would do. Gordy feels a little different because Gordy made the analogy that the parallel. What if C.J. Stroud, who McShay has the Texans taking it to, what if he's good? He may not be compared to Mahomes, but what right. if he's you use Ben Roethlisberger? Well, yeah, the one comp I saw they they comp Joe, uh, Joe Burrow for CJ Stroud. I've so, seen that. You know, again, like it's there's no guarantee that these guys are going to be that, but there there is a world where both Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are studs, and that would make the AFC South for the future for the next five years very fun. If Bryce Young is in Indianapolis and C.J. Stroud's in Houston, yeah. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, yeah, and who, we'll see what the league or what Tennessee. they do in Tennessee. Yeah. But like that would make the FC South very fun if they happen to both be good. But again, that you know, we we just we dissected this over the past few weeks. Went back through all the quarterbacks who've gone in the first round. It's fifty fifty. It is a fifty fifty hit rate. No doubt. Some are studs. Some are duds. And your job is to figure out which one. But I'm with I'm with you from the standpoint of. Don't force it. If you're if you go into draft night and you're wanting Bryce, hey Bryce Young's our guy at number two, and then somebody trades up with the Bears, i.e. the Colts, goes and gets Bryce Young number one. You have to, you know, you can't. You have to have a plan. You can't be just pivoting, going. Well, let's right. just take Stroud because we need a quarterback. So sure. if they've got Bryce Young number one on their board, but number two is Will Anderson, number three is Carter. Uh, I'm making up something. Number five is Bijan Robinson. And then number six is, is C.J. Stroud. You can't reach, air quotes, reach for C.J. Right. Just because you need a quarterback. You hear this term all the time. Stay true to your board. Uh, now, I think this would be interesting in the outcome that McShay predicts here in his mock. Four quarterbacks taken in the top nine. Don't know that we've seen that in, we may not have seen that ever. I haven't seen a time frame on that. But I know we've never seen this. We've never seen three quarterbacks taken in the top nine picks for new head coaches. Three new head coaches, yeah. three new quarterbacks. That's never happened before in the history of the league. Now, here's where the plot thickens. Let's get down here to pick 12. So let's make our way through. Uh, let's just do notable names. And, Gordon, you can help me with this. Will Anderson at three goes to the Cardinals. Uh, Texas Tech defensive end Tyree Wilson, who has skyrocketed mm -hmm. up evaluation board. He goes to the Seahawks at five. There's Will Levis to the Vegas at seven. Skaronski. And listen, I'm going to come back to this. But look at what's happening here, Gordon. After the two quarterbacks at one and two, Young and Stroud. Outside line. So let's call it edge. D-tackle. D-end. Miles Murphy out of Clemson at six. D in. 
There's your quarterback, Levis. Falcons take Peter Skaronski out of Northwestern, a tackle that can play some guard. Down in the trenches. Panthers, there's Anthony Richardson at nine. The Eagles coming off a Super Bowl appearance and a loss, obviously. Brian Brzee out of Clemson at 10. You notice what those teams are doing in there? It's quarterback and big boys up front. Yeah. When I look at this Texans roster, and this leads us into the number 12 conversation, when I look at this Texans roster, there's still work to be done with big boys down in the middle. No doubt. And and by the way, just to go back to your, uh, you know, you talked about reaching for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. It reminded me 2021. The Texans didn't have a first or second round pick. Third round, their first pick was pick 67. The Minnesota Vikings take Kellen Mon 66th overall that year, and the Texans were next. There were reports that came out after that that the Texans were taking Kellen Mond, that they wanted Kellen Mond right there, and they flipped as soon as Kellen Mond went off the board to the Vikings that they pivoted and went, well, let's take Davis Mills out of Stanford. And then, of course, the the after that, you get into the whole, oh, we love Davis Mills. This was our guy from the start and all that. But Kellen... But, but Kellen Mond's dad came out and said, I think afterwards, oh, yeah, the Texans told us they were taking us before the Vikings trade up to get them. So to your point, that that could be what happens draft night. They they are completely sold on Bryce Young. They're ready to take Bryce Young number two. He goes number one. Suddenly they have to pivot and go, well, I guess let's just take C.J. Stroud. Again, don't take Stroud unless you're absolutely in love with him. But whoever you take there, if it is a quarterback, he's going to need some weapons. And that takes us to pick 12. We, we do need weapons. I'll come back to that. Let's go out to Tom Ball, holla at Gary. Gary, you're next up here with Gordy and Fleet. What's up, man? Uh, not too much, guys. How's it going? Appreciate you. Hey, uh, one thing, you know, as far as McShay, you can't listen to anything this guy says. He fell in love with Jamarcus Russell, and we know how that turned out. To so be fair. Is, don't listen to what the experts say. To be fair, do Gary. what you need to do. To be fair, Gary. A lot of people fell in love with Jamarcus playing in LSU, playing in that conference, and having that pro day workout he had. There were a lot of people that do this for a living that thought Jamarcus Russell had an opportunity to really be good. Well, that's true, and that's where you rely on, you know, this team needs so much. Don't give up the future and try to get this on one person. I mean, oh, I appreciate the call, Gary. I agree with him. You just got to stay true to your board. Whatever the board tells you, you do that, well, and then you would make adjustments on the fly as as picks come in. Um, somebody steals on the draft every year. There's always a player that ends up going higher than everybody thought. There's always a player in the first round that falls lower than anybody thought. Well, that's why we, we you know, look, Jamarcus is still one of my favorite college quarterbacks of all time. It's it's the the evaluation was there. We didn't know, and I guess the Raiders and other people didn't know that the work ethic was not there. That as soon as he got that paycheck, he went, ah, I don't have to do any more work. $40 million and, guaranteed. And the Raiders was a terrible situation, that too. That part. Don't we don't wrong. talk about that enough. But you know you know the famous story, right, where they gave him two pieces of film to watch and uh, says he watched them and the, and the tape was blank. Right. Like, you know, it was, it was yeah. just one of those things. Like, what did you watch, bro? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, it, so, you know, that that was that. But, look, McShay and, and uh, Mel Kuyper... These guys have been doing this for a long time. There's a lot of misses. There's always going to be misses. I think Mel Kuyper was, uh, who was the old Notre Dame quarterback that he fell in love with, Clawson? Okay, uh, Jimmy Clawson yeah, ended up going to the Panthers some, at second round. He yeah. loved him some Jimmy Clawson, and that guy was a bust from the word go. So. You, listen, GMs are going to miss. 
Of course, analysts are going to miss. Yeah. That's just how this draft thing works. Let's get one more call in. Uh, was it bottom of the hour, we have uh, DJ Bienemy, staff writer for ESPN on the Houston Texans coming up. Let's dip out to Cyprus and get Andy in on the NFL draft and the Texans' choices. What's going on, Andy? Oh, not much. Hey. Yeah, I got you. I, I just read an article on Hooker. Yeah. The article is about a week old. He's saying... Of course, Hooker's saying that I'll be ready for spring camp. They said that his his recovery's going well, and, and la di da. Let's say we do our homework, and Hooker, even if he's not ready next year, where would Hooker go? Is Hooker going to go late first, or early second, or mid second? Where is he going to go? It's a good point, Andy. Up against it a little bit, Gordy. You want to chime in? Here? Yeah, I mean, I I look, I've got the interview up. Right now on YouTube, I interviewed Hendon Hooker at the Senior Bowl. He ta- I asked him, I said, when are you going to be ready? He said, he's, he's going to be ready for the start of camp. He said, the knee's good. He's already got the brace off. Um, it was funny, that morning he had it on. I said, why you, why you have it on? He said, ah, just you know, out of precaution. But like I saw him on the field the day before, mm-hmm. him and Josh Heupel, they were, you know, a lot of his Tennessee teammates, they're all gathering. He didn't have anything on his knee. So the rehab's coming along. He says he's going to be ready to go for the start of camp. The, the thing with Hendon Hooker is, He's 25 years old. This whole thing about he may not be ready, th- that guy needs to go to a perfect spot where he can play, you know, dive right in. The Saints at 29, to me, is the one that makes the most sense because Saints didn't have a first-round pick. They, they made the Sean Payton trade. They got Denver's pick. It's 29. They need to really evaluate and take Hendon Hooker there. If they don't, he's going to go somewhere to the top of the second. If the se- Texans want to go that route, okay. But, man, you better love love Hendon Hooker if you're going to pass on quarterbacks all in the first round. To wrap up this segment, again, we got DJ Enemy coming up. We're talking more Texans, coaching staff, future draft opportunities, and things of the like. Hendon Hooker was on pace to be in New York City as a Heisman finalist. Had he not gotten hurt, he was having a fantastic season. He was likely a first-round quarterback until that happened. The evaluations I've seen thus far, and I'm just looking at one site right now to reference Tankathon has Hendon Hooker, one, two, three, as the sixth highest rated quarterback after the knee injury. They've got him in the third round right now. That's going to be excellent value for somebody. Somebody might take him in the second just to prevent somebody else from uh, leapfrogging him, obviously. So we'll get into all that. Quarterback options for the Texans. We'll talk more. Coaching staff coming next up right here on Sports Talk 790. Houston, it's your home team. Man, lifelong Astros fan here. Anytime, anywhere. I love your home team. The go Rockets go. Just tell your smart device. Play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. Playing Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. Staten Fleet and Chris Gordy. This is Next Up on Sports Talk 790. Sports Talk 790, bottom of the first hour of the show. Stan Norfleet, Chris Gordy. Appreciate you, Houston, for supporting the station and the new show. Uh, we thank you for your patience as we continue to tinker with things, right? It's not a finished product yet. It's like uh, we're like D'Amico Ryans and Stan. Gordy's both coordinators. I'd like to think I'm Miko. No, I'm a, I'm a D coordinator. You're the O coordinator. And we'll let program director Brian Erickson, he'll, he'll be D'Amico calling the shots. But here we are talking Texans, responding to ESPN Todd McShay's most recent mock draft. 
And I'm in conjunction with that, looking at an article that was referenced on this show yesterday. Uh, it was a beautiful piece written by a gentleman we'll welcome into the program now, DJ Bienemy, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. I believe I am. Wonderful work by him. Now that the coaching staff for the Texans has been filled out, DJ did a great job of chronicling how we got here and doing a snapshot uh forecasting of what we may see. DJ, welcome in the next up, Stan Northley, Chris Gordy. What's going on, bro? Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. And you did pronounce it right. You know, that's kind of rare. <laughs> Most people get it wrong. Right. And you know I, I was going right. to give you the opportunity to clarify it in front of this audience because I know people, they, they hear you some, but I know they read your stuff, but want to make sure that we call a brother by his correct name. So glad that you joined with us. Let's just hop right in. Chris Gordon, yeah, and I, Chris Gordon and I go back and forth, and I thought your piece, you actually spoke to both of us, but I want to get an essence of what's real. What do you think D'Amico and the staff will do, including Nick Casario, obviously? What do you think they will do at two? I think right now they're probably going to get a quarterback. Which one? Still trying to figure that one out. But I know they're going to for sure get a quarterback. I don't think they have a choice. Yeah, like, you know, going to all the games I went to last week, not not last week, last season, by, like, week five, man, the stadiums we have empty. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they got to get a, yeah, you got D'Amico to, you know, re-energize the fan base. But let's be real, as a coach. A coach only re-energizes a fan base so much. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, what re-energizes people is players at the end of the day, you know? So, like, if you get a new quarterback in the future – that's going to help, you know, let's just be honest, it's a business. It's going to help ticket sales. People are going to want to see that new quarterback. You know, people are going to be way more energetic now, like, they can wrap their arms around the product on the field. Last year, they couldn't really wrap their arms around the product on the field because half of those guys, you didn't know if that was even those most of the guys with the guys of the future. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, Pierce, future. Um, you know, the tackles, future. Pierce, I mean, um, well, obviously Pierce. Um, Petrie and Stingley, okay, that's the future. But we also got a quarterback, you know, the receiving core. But we don't even know if they any part of the future. You know what I'm saying? Because Chris Moore is a free agent. Nico Collins is, you know, going into the third year. Brandon Cooks obviously wants to be traded um, or wanted to be traded. We're still trying to figure out if he still wants to. Yada, yada, yada. But, like, end of the day, the product on the field was very meh. So now if you bring in a quarterback, it's only going to re-energize the fan base across the board because when you get that quarterback – now the fan base feels that, okay, this is the future, this is the direction that we're heading, and we can wrap our arms around that. You know, you'll feel all the energy come completely come back um, now that you have that guy going forward. And, again, like, it's the NFL. You're in the AFC. Almost every team in the AFC has a guy that they feel really comfortable in that they can go into multiple places and be able to compete with the quarterback on the other side of the field. Even though it's not basketball, it's not quarterback to quarterback, but you guys get what I'm saying in that in that retrospect. So, um, yeah, I think they're going quarterback. DJ, so, I mean, look, it's it's cliche to say face of the franchise, but, I mean, that's what they're looking for, right? I mean, they were looking for that for decades and finally came across Deshaun Watson, and we know how that one ended, but they're back looking for a face of the franchise. And it doesn't have to be a quarterback. I mean, for a stretch, J.J. Watt was the face of the franchise. There you go. You know, you could find somebody like that. But I look at this quarterback crop. It was so funny, DJ, because last year, uh, you know, the, all the talk was, 
yeah, this quarterback crop is okay with Kenny Pickett all, but next year's going to be the big one. Next year's the one, the elite one, where you get Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and all these other guys. And now we're here, and now I'm hearing people saying, well, I don't know about this group, but next year, next year with Caleb Williams. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We just did this a year ago. So where are you on these quarterbacks? I mean, uh, we just played the clip. Todd McShay says Bryce Young, he sees glimpses of a mini Pat Mahomes out there. So where are you on these quarterbacks right now? Um. So, yeah, I think uh, hmm, which class does it remind me of? I think the 2022 class reminds me a little bit of the 2019 class. We had one guy that was, okay, you know, Kyler Murray, where, all right, you know, you had one guy that was like he could be a Pro Bowl caliber type of quarterback. Um, granted, I do think Kyler's a better prospect than, you know, Bryce or CJ Stroud because he has a specific trait that can't be coached, which is his legs. Um, he's a dynamic quarterback, but Kind of right in that class where you had like two other quarterbacks and you know Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins that you thought okay, give them time they could develop into something. Obviously, RIP to, to Dwayne, but um, Daniel Jones year four finally developed into a competent quarterback. Um, I don't think it's twenty twenty. The twenty twenty gave us like four franchise quarterbacks, which is rare. In twenty twenty one, obviously, we might only have like one franchise quarterback, and that was a guy that we thought was um, you know was Trevor Lawrence. Everybody else is still question marks. And then, obviously, 2022, you only had Kenny Pickett. So, well, yeah. So, yeah, 2022, you only had Kenny Pickett. So, I would say it's kind of in that 2019 range where you might be able to get a guy that will be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback and some competent quarterbacks outside of that. That's kind of where I'm at. There's no generational problem. These guys, you can, like, find legitimate holes in their game, right? Like, Will Levis, um, his 2022 film was not good. Bryce Young, he does everything well on film. He's just 5'10", 180. There's been no guy in the history of the NFL that his size that's played quarterback and thrives, you know? Like, you know, you know, I've been covering NFL for a couple of years now. Now I see why size matters. Like, a lot of the guys that are good usually bless you, are brother. good. Yeah, bless you. Thank you. Thank you. They're good, and they have the physical stature to – handle the punishment that comes from playing the NFL. Like, it's hard to ignore that. Um, you know, you know, Strout, Strout, like, you know, that Georgia game really surprised people because he finally did a lot of the things that you wanted to see, some of the off-script stuff. Because yeah, off-script, he's really good. Like, you could tell that he could process really well. Off-script, he's pretty good. Um, it's just off-script when things break down. What can you do then? And he finally showed us a little something. something. Now, that wasn't consistent. We only saw it in one game out of, like, you know, out of the majority of his career. But that flash gives you hope. You have uh, Anthony Richardson, who's basically the Josh Allen of, the, of this class. But, you know, Josh Allen's happened once in a blue moon, right? And for every one Josh Allen, you get, like, ten Blake Bortles. <laughs> so, you know, so I would say this, this quarterback class, like, there'll probably be, like, a starter or two that come out of it. But most quarterback classes don't produce, like, you know, three starters. Right. Like they just don't. That's the of the NFL. Like quarterback is a hard position to play. Like there's a reason why we probably throughout the NFL's been around for over hundred years. It's a there's a reason why we've probably had less than I don't know, like fifty quarterbacks that have made multiple Pro Bowls. I'm just spitballing there, but no I'm gonna assume that we probably have less than fifty quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that have made at least three uh two to three Pro Bowls. You know what I'm saying? So 
It's a hard position. So, well, DJ, let me ask you this: We're, we're up against it a little bit, but I'm gonna get you out here on this one quickly. If if you could just surmise, and please go to ESPN.com and read the article. DJ Benjamin, he's a reporter for the Texans for the Four Letter Network. Real quick for me. I, I choose to believe, just based on watching the prospects from a limited sample size, that D'Amico's probably going to have some defenders rated higher than most of these quarterbacks. When I look at how the San Francisco was built in the trenches and on defense, where they put their first-round capital, at least the majority of it, do you get the sense that D'Amico is going to be the most influential on this draft? Or do we hold Nick Casario ultimately responsible based on your sources and information and feeling in the building? Um, I think Demico smart to understand what type of NFL this is. Like, you need, like, if this was like 2000, that'd be a little different. But it's 2023. You can't really get far without when you're quite playing at a high level. Um, and if you want to try. What they tried, which was basically, you know, your third string quarterback was able to still hoop out of the seventh round. You know, I, I think he's smart to realize that he had, they had arguably the best roster in the NFL. Each, every single unit on that roster had an all pro player. The Texans obviously don't have that. Um, I do think that he'll probably have some defensive players rated higher on the overall grade, but once you factor in value, Obviously, they'll all be in the same the same sphere. Like that happens. Like it happens all the time. You know, I've talked to people across the league that you can like some guys will be overall rated higher, but because of quarterback and the value, when you jot it all together, the draft board will have quarterbacks get pushed up because at the end of the day, you cannot win in this league without one. You know, like if he was in the NFC, maybe a little bit different, but it's the AFC, man. You got to deal with Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow, Lamar, Sean. Um, Tua talking about Loa, Trevor Lawrence. Like, the list goes on and on and on. You know, Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the list goes on. And Aaron Rodgers might, get in the, uh, might get, come to the AFC. He probably will be in the AFC if he continues to play. He'll be out with the Jets or he'll be with the um, Raiders. So, regardless, you got to have a guy that week in and week out, you feel that he might not be better than the guy across the field, but at least he could pay them to a draw and uh, give us a chance to win that game. So, yeah, no, nah, I think you know, there, there's going to be probably a good chance that some overall grades might be higher. But when you factor in the value of the quarterback position, it's going to push those guys up and make it basically, you know, a pick em. DJ, appreciate you, brother. Got a slide. Thank you so much. Please follow this man at DJ Enemy B-I-E-N-A-I-M-E. Appreciate you joining next up, brother. I'll catch you in a little bit. I know, problem. Thank My you. man. All right, over just a little bit. We'll regroup, catch our breath. Next up, Sports Talk 790. Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy. This is Next Up on Sports Talk 790. Wrapping up our one here on Sports Talk 790. The new show is Next Up. Stan Norfleet, thank you for all of you, Houston, that welcome me here. Uh, your patience is appreciated as we transition. Again, I can't be Indy. Not gonna try. We all love Indy. That's my Brody. My but, favorite was the call yesterday that said, uh, 
Hey, if Andy's not careful, you're gonna take. You're gonna be stealing the show from you. Like, bro. Yeah, you, that's kind of already. Where you been? <laughs> no, I didn't steal it, brother. Andy gave it to me. But again, uh, he does say hello. He misses all of you. Uh, he's still involved on on social media. So. Give him a shout. But uh, we thank you for your patience and your support here. Uh, Matt Thomas show coming up. He and Ross Villarreal coming up at noon as they customarily do. Just heard from Texans reporter DJ Bienemy. Uh, brother has a great article that Gordy and I talked through yesterday. Got his commentary on the state of the Texans franchise and the decision making process that would go into this draft. Uh, Gordy, for those that didn't hear, the podcast will be up sometime today or, or first thing tomorrow, so you can go listen to that for yourselves. Gordy, what I, I heard... J- Josh will have the interview up before the show. Oh, so Josh will have the interview up. 100%, y'all be up quick. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate Josh filling in today for Trey. What I heard was kind of what you've been screaming, Gordy. Quarterback at all costs, face of the franchise... Uh, got to get the fan base, keep them engaged now that we have them re-engaged. Your takeaways from what DJ Enemy had to say. Yeah, it's it's the old cliche face of the franchise. I mean, you, you, we, we joked about it two years ago, but this past year it wasn't funny anymore with the all the empty seats at NRG. No, it looked bad. I mean, kickoff, it was embarrassing. It looked bad. I saw the pictures. It's, I was on the East Coast, but it looked crazy. And, and that's where it got to, you know. Where was the bullpen? The bullpen didn't even show up. <laughs> yeah. In one sense, damn. In, in one <laughs> like, sense, and Josh can talk can speak to this too. We had the Astros going on a historic World Series run where they didn't lose a game until the World Series. Like they they swept through the 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 Mariners and the Yankees, right. and they're on a roll. And then we've got this dumpster fire over on Kirby where they can't even put you know one quarter of the fill up one quarter of the stadium for a crap product is, that's out there. So that's why I think the urgency you you. you you check the box of getting fans excited and engaged with bringing D'Amico back. But I think on the flip side, you also need, you can't sell them on Davis Mills. You can't sell them on bridge quarterback. What you can sell them on is this is our franchise quarterback, the face of the future. He's going to go through some growing pains, but go buy that jersey, get your season tickets and get your butt in the seats, and let's ride the Bryce Young train. Let's ride the C.J. Stroud train. What I can sell the fan base on, and Texans fans, feel free. Those that watch the Texans, maybe you just love the city of Houston, and this is the team that happens to be in the city. 713-212-5790 is the number to get in the show. You know what you sell fans on ultimately? And I, I again, I, I understand the face of the franchise, but this is about winning. It's about winning ball games. It is. And if we're going to look at the San Francisco 49ers motif, I understand they traded for McCaffrey. I understand, excuse me, that they have explosive weapons like Debo. But they're, uh, they also have Nick Bosa. They also have Armstead. They also have McGlinchey. They also have, uh, what's my man, big boy out there at left tackle? Why can I not say his name? He's the best left tackle in the Trent game. Williams. He's got big silverback Williams out there. This game is won and lost in the trenches. They also got George Kittle out there, a guy that believes in getting his hands dirty and blocking in line at the tight end position. The Texans, and I get it, the, the, the sexy pieces matter. But in my estimation, the Texans had better be careful about getting so enamored with the glamour spots and not hunkering down. I mean, and we'll get into it because I want to get back to Todd McShay's draft and we talked about the number two spot McShay has CJ Stroud at Ohio State landing to the Texans at two because Bryce Young goes to the Colts at one who trade up with the Bears 
at that number 12 pick, I wouldn't hate it if the Texans went O-line or D-line or maybe take Michael Mayer out of um, Notre Dame Ugh. as a tight end. Wow, we've got enough tight ends. No, no. Did you watch that game the other night? Do we got guys I that did. play as well Michael as... Michael Mayer's as, not... Uh, what's his face? Kelsey. He, no, nobody's Kelsey. Kelsey's going to be the best I tight end ever. I Dallas Goddard either. What I'm saying is the guy has the potential. He's going to be the first tight end taken likely. Great. Another Pitts corner. was the first tight end taken. How's that going for Atlanta? He got injured and he was balling until he went down. <laughs> he's fine. He, how many games is he helping him win? Jeez. He's fine. He's, Gordon, he's not a game changer. You are going to drive me insane. <laughs> to, it's like to you, the game starts at quarterback. Well, let, let me take Let me take. What you, about going the other way? Back, let me take you back a little bit, Sam. Oh, by the way, hold so, on. Before you go there, uh, I'm also not mad at a running back. Perhaps B. John oh, Robinson. No. I said perhaps. David Pierce was almost rookie of the year. You're good at running back. It, not in the San Francisco system. They have multiple dudes. Well, we'll bring in like Raheem Mostert or one of those Washington oh, players from, from the Niners. Right, right behind that offensive line? Let me take you back. When Bill O'Brien was here, we went through this phase of Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, Brian Hoyer at quarterback, Ryan Mallett. Like, and every year, they were winning the AFC South. They were making the postseason and all this. We were winning. I know, we what were winning. Say, AFC South champs three yeah, years AFC in a row. South champs, Ryan. <laughs> but none of that compares to 2017 when Deshaun Watson walked in that door. Of course, he's different. And he was the face of the franchise. Again, this is pre-rub-rub and all that stuff. Right. He what There was excitement. Everyone couldn't wait to go out and buy the Deshaun Watson jerseys. Uh-huh. And look, they went through some growing pains that first year. Don't get me wrong. He ends up getting hurt. Right. But but it just invigorated. It was literally like a shot in the arm of just excitement and passion that we had never seen. And again, we had been winning. This this franchise has been making the playoffs with mm-hmm. Fitzy. They even made it with Brock Osweiler. He won a freaking playoff game. But it was different with Deshaun. It'll I'm not be disputing that. It'll be different with Bryce or CJ. I'm not disputing that. Here's all I'm saying to you. Face of the franchise doesn't necessarily translate to wins. Justin Herbert just got into the postseason. It doesn't, one doesn't automatically mean two. And I remember the face of a franchise around here by the name of David Carr and what happened to him. I remember a dude named Andrew Luck from the state of Texas. What happened to him? You will get hit out of this league if you aren't buttoned up in the areas that win and lose you football games. It's the, you know why Patrick Mahomes looked like that the other night? It ain't just because Patrick Mahomes. It's because they had a dude that's been to the Pro Bowl at left tackle, Zeus Jr., and then the guy, Andrew Wiley, at the at the uh, right tackle spot played the game of his life against that Eagles pass rush. The Kansas City O-line outplayed the Philly D-line, thus allowing Mahomes to do the sexy stuff. So I just, I'm not telling you you're wrong, Gordy. I'm just saying we have two different philosophies about building a program. And it's fun to talk about, and that's what we do on Sports Talk Radio. Listen, we're going to start the second half on the other side. This is next up, only on Sports Talk 790. Sports Talk 790 from the Carbingo.com studios. 
Hey, it's Jabari Smith. Right now, you're shot at $1,000 on Sports Talk 790. Just enter this nationwide keyword at Sports790.com. Grand. G-R-A-N-D. Grand. Enter it now at Sports790.com. Now, what's next? The next man up. Next up. Next step. Take the next step. Next up. Next up. Next step. This team wants to be next. This is Next Up with Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy. Let's see. What's next? 11 o'clock hour, H-Town. Here we are over in the River Oaks, Uptown area. Hope everybody's having a fantastic Thursday. One more day to go before the weekend. Appreciate everybody supporting the show and supporting the station. Stan Northfleet here. That's Chris Gordy. Got Josh filling in for Trey today and uh, talking some Texans mock draft, which will happen a lot on these airwaves as we get closer to the draft in April. NFL Combine, two weeks from today. Unbelievable. Yeah, I was looking up the dates. So they report, you know, February 28th is kind of where everything starts starts up. But yeah, two weeks from today is when the, like the first actual workouts are, and I think it's D lineman and linebacker. That's typically the first day. And yeah. then it's two weeks from Saturday that we'll see the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks. in action, and that is—I mean, if you're a Texas fan, that is must-see TV. You need to be tuned in. For Underwear that. Olympics can't miss it. I prefer to look at the game tape, but I do like the the measurements. I see combination of everything. I see the value in in the overall uh, evaluation process. Uh, it can be exhausting, by the way. As we get closer to the Combine, we'll have some folks drop by the show that have been to the Combine. I was not fortunate enough to get invited to the Combine, but play with and against many dudes that have. So that'll be some fun conversation. You a pro day, though, right? I had a pro day, and uh, it went okay. I, my thing was trying to get the height and weight that I wanted, and Cincinnati gave me 6'4", 255. That's what I needed. Once <laughs> I got 6'4", in the NFL books, there like, we go. Now, what was your 40 time? Uh, what did I, I didn't run fast. Uh, I don't know what Indy ran. Was I faster than Indy? We need to discuss this. <laughs> I think the fastest I ran was like four six nine or something. Okay, uh, it was it wasn't great. That was really the knock. Why I wouldn't one of those guys? So anyway, I bore you were inside or outside backer. All of them, uh, okay. mostly on the edge, but I would fill in on some inside. It was a different NFL then. It was a different college game. Thumper is the term. Gotcha. Yeah, so I could give you, I could add to the pass rush. I'm going to tell you who I played like. Um, he's on TV now. Uh, Minko. What's his name? Played for the Patriots. Rob Ninkovich. Oh, Ninkovich. I okay. played kind of like Ninko. I didn't have all that burst and stuff off the edge. And Indy, he's angry, so he was great with his hands and <laughs> knocking over people. Uh, taking your phone calls is always 713-212-5790. Name of the show is next up. And with that being said, let's go out to uh, let's go to Houston and welcome in Charles. What's going on, Charles? Charles, you up? Hello? Yeah, what's up, bro? Yes, sir. Uh, hey, good morning. Good morning to you. Hey, I got something for you to think about, man. Okay, you just up there and said that earlier today you said that uh, J.J. was the face of the franchise. So my thinking is, okay, so we already know that Indianapolis is going to trade up. Okay, let's just say. It looks that way. So Chicago is going to trade back down. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just take Will Anderson at number two, okay, and then and then at number 12 we get us a quarterback, or we draft a, we go on and draft these on the line, or another defensive person to go with our two young people and that we have as a cornerback and as a safety and then get Hooker in the second or third round. 
What did you feel about that? I don't dislike it, Charles. I thank you for your call. I don't dislike the notion. Now, I know the man sitting over here to my left is not a huge fan of that scenario. It, and again, like when I was in Washington working with Vinny Serrato, uh, who was then the GM, he learned drafting under somebody you may have heard of named Bill Walsh. So, and, and I've had other good teachers. I come from like the Parcells family of thinking. So I got a good idea how Belichick and Parcells and Sean Payton and those guys think about putting a team together. Doesn't mean I know the, like each individual one secret. It just means that I've been in some rooms where we've had some conversations and been a part of some tape evaluation. So you can trust me or not. I understand if you don't, I'm new to the program. So there's that. Needless to say, I think you stay true to your board. And if D'Amico was in this room right now, Gordy, I would say to him, do not let this fan base pressure you into picking a player that you don't feel like best fits what the program is, the vision you have for your program. If you know that Will Anderson can be a Khalil Mack, a Von Miller type, then by God, it, hell, even Hassan Reddick. The Eagles are not in the Super Bowl, I don't believe, without the year that Hassan Reddick gave them this year. So if that's what you feel, we know what the interior pressure can do. Uh, I think about what Parsons did for Dallas. Think about guys on the edge. But interior-wise, Chris Jones recently, Aaron Donald, there are other guys that get busy on the interior. If that's what you think Jalen Carter and or Will Anderson Jr. can be for you and your board has them ranked higher and you don't love the QBs at two, I don't have an issue with addressing that later. Gordy, I know you feel different. Yeah, I mean, look, I love I love Will Anderson. He's one of my favorite players to watch throughout, you know, college football. Uh talked to him in the SEC media days. I remember talking with him asking, how do you build off of what you did the year prior? I mean, mm -hmm. he was the most unstoppable force in college football. Talked to him again at the end of the season at the Lombardi Awards, got to hang out with his family. Tremendous young man. I mean, absolutely. Whoever gets him is getting a gem. He he is a stud defensive player. I even talked to him a little bit about, you know, he drew more double teams this year. You could see he got frustrated by it because teams were game planning for him cool. week in and week out. That said, I look around the league, Stan, and the Indianapolis Colts had Yannick Ngakwe this year. Got nine and a half sacks. Led the team. Was fantastic. The Colts went 4-12. and 12. I look at the Arizona Cardinals. J.J. Watt had an outstanding season for them before his retirement. Twelve and a half sacks. A resurgent year for J.J. Watt. Outstanding. 4-13 and 13 season. So, you can have that stud defensive player, but he ain't winning your games. He ain't winning. Will Anderson. I watched, I watched you can Aaron, take Will Anderson. He ain't winning your games. I watched Aaron Donald win a lot of games, a Super Bowl against okay, Joe Burrow. But they didn't get there until they had Matthew. They traded for Matthew Stafford. You got to have the. No, they played in the Super Bowl without Stafford. They just didn't win it. Well, Jared Goff had a whatever. And you look at the Steelers when they had T.J. Watt playing and not playing. I think they were what seven and zero, eight and zero with T.J. Watt this year and. I think five games below 500 without him. I There's just, some impact that they can make. But but you got to have you've got to have that quarterback. And and if if the answer, well, if the hold question, on, you, you if, keep saying you got to, but Jimmy G has played in a Super Bowl. It's the exception to the rule. He's the only the the Forty Nineers. Jalen Hurts is a second round pick. Yeah, and he was just the MVP, of, almost the MVP of the league. Dak Prescott, a fourth rounder, just ran Brady out the league. Uh. I'm just simply Careful acknowledging, like, that one his first playoff game ever. <laughs> no, it was the second. He, be, he beat Russell Wilson before. I watched a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson, and I'm trying to make a larger point here. Ridge Ridge, I'm coming to you. I watched Russell Wilson, a guy that up until this season, 
I thought was a surefire Hall of Famer. He wins a lot of games. He got to Denver, and it just didn't work. We'll see if Sean Payton can get him on track. I just push back on the notion that all you got to do is get the quarterback and everything else. No. Th- that's not what the history of this no, no, league. No, we're not saying draft a quarterback and stop. They're obviously going to build around them. But I'm saying if you're passing on a quarterback at 2 and 12, and maybe even with your second-round pick, then what's the plan at quarterback? The plan is a bridge guy. You continue to put resources and developing the one that you got on the roster, the one that you took in the third round a couple years ago, and then you add a young guy. They will add a quarterback at some point in this draft. I just don't know that it has to be two, and I just don't know that it has to be 12. It is the most important position on the field. Nobody is disputing that. And if you keep neglecting it, there's a huge difference in neglecting it and being horny for it, thirsty for it. Like, you don't have to be get all aroused just because it's there. You have to have some draft capital discipline. Yeah, when I'm, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say something else. Go to, let me go back to the phone lines before I lose the job I just got. Right, go Looks like Reggie Ridge out of Freeport. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going today? All right, how about hey, you? I have a question for you guys. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm great. The question is this, and Gordy, uh, more towards you with this quarterback issue. Uh, we all understand what everybody's saying. The problem, the, the hang up on, uh, Bryce Young is, is his side. But what's the two, the, the comparison between Levis and CJ Straw? Because everybody keeps saying that, oh, he had the one big game against Georgia and they actually saw the things that he could do in that game. Because that's why I kind of be on the side with understanding what uh, Stan is saying, because you do go with the best person for the team, which is probably the higher, uh, the quarterback or the defensive, the outside linebacker. My question to you is, what's the difference between the two if they chose to go with the linebacker or the tackle and then get a quarterback, uh, Levitz at the end of that? And Stan, this one is for you, uh, because you guys gonna go into it in the summer as well when it comes to the Rockets, because I see these two organizations the same, the Texans and the Rockets. One, I'm gonna get, show some love to your, 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 your alma mater, Virginia. I wish people stopped talking about this young kid over in England or wherever he's from. Oh, talking about friends, Wimbayama. Yeah. Hey, tell him about the seven-footer four guy named Ralph Sampson. Before his time, he was a point guard at seven-foot-four coming up and down the court. So I wish people would stop saying like he's the only person at that height could dribble the ball. Ralph Sampson was a beast coming up that court dribbling that ball. A lot of people that's my age range to know it about him. But, uh, and then I want you to uh, answer that for me with the uh, Rockets. It's going to be the same thing, man. Do you take the, the kid you just mentioned or do you take somebody else? Because both organizations are struggling for that star power. Rich, Rich, we got a slide, brother, but I do understand where you're going with the Ralph Sampson. Uh, comparison. Everybody that I know that goes overseas and scouts basketball tells me, Stan, the game has never seen anything like this kid, Wimbayama. He literally is like Dirk Nowinski, but he handles the ball like a guard, but he can also, you know, get down in the painted area and shoot the mid-range. Like, Stan, this dude is different, different. And I was looking at, uh, speaking of the Rockets, I was watching NBA or looking at NBA Draft.net last night.
And right now, they have Wimbayama Mark mocked, if I could talk, to the Rockets, number one overall. Gordon, I'm going to ask you to hold your comment on the Rockets because we do need to go pay a bill for a second. We're going to come back. Coach Silas, I read something from Coach Silas, and I saw something last night. Rockets fans, you know where I'm going. More of that to come. Next up, Sports Talk 790. Who's got next? That's a great one. In Houston. What's coming next? Uh, what do we do next? And who's going to take it to the next level? Next up. Next up. Back to Stan Norfleet and Chris Gordy. This is Next Up on Sports Talk 790. I'm going to take some time over the break and, and uh, not think about it for a little while, but then I am going to take a good amount of the break and really kind of figure out what the next 20 however many games looks like and uh maybe there'd be some some different things um different rotations different uh schemes at times so we played some zone tonight which which helped us at times and that could be something that we use moving forward a, a little bit more Sports Talk 790, staying Northfleet at the controls. Chris Gordy alongside. That was the voice of Rockets head coach, Steven Silas, uh, responding to uh, an embarrassing defeat last night at the hands of the Oklahoma City Thunder, 133-96. to Yes, you heard that correctly. That's 37 points on the road to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, of course, we are the home of Rockets basketball. You can hear that right here on Sports Talk 790. And uh, we're going to go on break for a while. Next game is not until the 24th, I believe that's right, and that'll be versus Golden State. I haven't had a chance to do a rift on the Houston Rockets organization that I revere. Uh, the Rockets organization was very good to me in my time there as an employee doing the sales thing. Learned a lot. I tell people all the time, Gordy, and this is just life, and I'll squeeze in a, a life lesson every now and again, if you will, a tidbit and nugget to think about. Quit worrying about what's on somebody's business card. Quit worrying about what's on somebody's LinkedIn. Talk to people. Find out. If you're the admin assistant, but the president of the company or the CEO keeps the door open, you're getting information. <laughs> If you're the equipment room trainer and you're in an NBA or an NFL franchise, if you're in IT, if you're in the building, you have access to information. So I try and surround myself and communicate and make acquaintances with those that are in the information gathering business. And so as someone that has been inside the bowels of the Toyota Center, I can tell you that obviously, you know, I'm vested. I always have kept my eyes on the Rockets. I kind of do a, a Eastern Conference, Western Conference thing, Gordy. But this needs to be said. And I have tried to be as respectful as I can in my assessment here. But one, two, three, four of the last six Rockets games, including last night, mind you, where they had another 40-point quarter surrender, and the first two quarters they gave up 38. They lost by 37 points last night because they're ready to get to go to Utah for the All-Star break. It's garbage. It's hot trash. And it cannot, not in a city that knows what a championship feels like, not in a city that routinely gets All-Stars that come through here. 
Not in a city that has Hall of Famers hanging in the rafters over there at Toyota Center. This is unacceptable. And I don't give a damn how young the team is. Four of the last six defeats, 37-point loss, 19-point loss at Philly, a 20-point loss at home versus Sacramento, a 32-point loss again at Oklahoma City. And to hear Stephen Silas, and God bless you, Coach, you know how much I care about you and your family from your days with the Charlotte Hornets. Silas, for the first time, I'm prepared to say, Gordy, that's not the answer. These kids are not playing and responding to the coaching. And at some point, it's year three, at some point these young dudes should have some sort, some semblance of identity with what Rocket Basketball should be expected to be. What is this I'm watching, Gordy? It's ugly. It's it's not. It, last night was absolutely atrocious. I mean, the first quarter, you're down 38 to 21. You have 38 points in the first quarter. You have another 38 in the second quarter. You get up 40 in the third quarter. You just you had no chance. Bro, they shot 27% from three. Yeah. An it, NBA team shooting 27%. It there was a stretch earlier this year where it looked like they were making a you know some effort on the defensive end. Um, you know, I go back to I think it was in December where they had run off uh they they'd beaten the, the Sixers, they'd beaten Milwaukee, they beat Phoenix. And it was like, okay, they got to 9-18. and 18. You're like, all right, not too bad. They had won like four of six. And then that's where things just went south. And it was loss, 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 loss. Um, and a lot of these losses, not even close. I mean, not even 37 points, 19 points, 20 points, 32 points. Winning is an attitude. Winning is a collection of talents. Excuse me, a collection of habits. It's not just talent. And we have cliches. I know the SEC, uh, uh, Gordon, you know this, like over there in Athens, Georgia, with the reigning back-to-back national champions, uh, uh, Kirby Smart has this thing, attack the day. Right. You're in competition every day. Bill Belichick, the Patriot way, is about every day we embrace the challenge of we're going to watch film better than anybody in the league today. We're going to get treatment better than anybody in the league today. We're going to go through a walkthrough better than anybody in the league today. We're going to have a better shoot around than anybody in the league today. And I'm looking at organizationally and I'm going, see, Gordy, I, I know I'm a long-winded on this one, but I'm hot. Gordy, tanking doesn't work. Philly has already shown you that. Right. Tanking is not a plan. Tanking is a collection of bad habits that allows you to digest and get comfortable with a culture of losing. So some people will say staying the Rockets are simply just tanking for Wimbayama. When he gets here, then we're going to snap our fingers and magically you're going to start winning basketball games? Well, it changed, too, because you've had you've had the worst <clears throat> the worst record these last couple of years, and you still didn't have the number one pick. I mean, you still got... Number two, because they number changed three. the formula, yeah. You know, so you know, you you didn't get Cade Cunningham, you didn't get you know. So it is what it is. You still got some really good players in Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, but you know, so one more top five pick is going to solve all this. I mean, that's the 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 problem we're seeing is effort. And again, I Stephen Silas is one of the nicest guys out there. Love Silas, man. Human being, no doubt. At what point when we look back to two years and say? He, you know, he's 37 and 117 as head coach coming into this year. And now here we are at 13 and 45. 
We're over 30 games below 500. I mean, this thing is supposed to be getting better, not worse. This is the it's second worse. This is the second Rockets have the second worst point differential behind the San Antonio Spurs in the league. Yeah, it's it's getting worse, not better, and that's that's the problem. If this team was just going to be like uh, a, a Mike D'Antoni led organization and we just going to outscore people, I'd be down for that. I mean, it's not what I want to do, but I'll be like, okay, at least you're excelling in one area consistently. What does this team do consistently at an elite level? I don't see it. And I'm trying not to overreact. Jay on the spring, man, we're going to invite you to the program. Give me like 30 seconds, bro. Then I got a slide. What's on your mind? Oh, uh, just real quick. Uh, I was talking to my brother. He brought up an interesting point uh, about the head, next head coaching hiring. Although Silas was a first-time coach, how do you feel about Sam Cassell coming out? We kind of looked at it like the way the Texans got uh, D'Amico Ryan mm. and it kind of galvanized the city and the fans, you know, with the Clutch City era. And Sam Cassell has paid his due. I think he's been assistant like 20 years. I know he was a hot topic like five years ago. But how do you think that uh, – do you think that'll help this squad? Because I'm like you, man. Like, I, I honestly tune that. Like, I don't even watch him. I don't listen to him on 790. It's the first year – Probably since I've been 15 years old, and I'm 45 now, that I've actually tuned out on the Rockets completely. Jay, I appreciate the call out in spring. I actually love the comparison, Sam Cassell being the head coach here. I'll do respect to Coach Tyler, so I'm not forcing him out the door. But at some point, Gordon, you just looked at the results. At some point, you have to be judged on the results and the nuance and context of how the organization is trending. I do see a parallel between Sam Cassell and D'Amico Ryans being that proverbial shot in the arm for the fan yeah, base. I'm coming home, you know, bring 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 him back. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I do know something needs to change. Um, you know, I think it was interesting that the few times this year that Steven Silas has been out and John Lucas was the head coach, they actually won those games. Showed a little bit more of an effort. I don't know. Maybe it's the old head and John Lucas. Screaming at the the nineteen and twenty year olds, maybe that that is the effect, and and it's been working that way. But um, I, I just again, I, I say it with all, no disrespect to Steven Silas, tremendous person, but just may not be the right guy for this team right now with a bunch of young kids. It's also hard because they don't shoot the three well, and now in modern NBA, you have to, and it's just a brick fist now, every time they do. I love that, Josh. Now that begs the question, and now we getting back Gordy to a Texans conversation. And we're lumping these together. You can't just draft a collection of dudes that are skilled. Right. That's not a team. You have to have a system, put the players in the system, and then be open to the system changing. But you have to have a legitimate, consistent level of talents to choose from. And when I watch these Rockets, I, you don't know. I never know what I'm going to get day in and day out. When I watch the Texans, I never know what I'm going to get day in and day out. You can't just throw picks together and that's just going to solve your problem. Does it take talent? Yes. Does it take coaching? Yes. Uh, does it take uh, consistent effort, concentration? Yes. Does it take an owner that's willing to spend money? Yes. But man, damn, like losing 37 to Oklahoma City when you're about to go on break, that's just inexcusable. And so when I heard that quote from Silas, I wanted him to lose it. I wanted his quote to be, they better think about playing time and contracts and like 
I, I didn't sense the accountability that I wanted, Gordon. Yeah, and I think the the problem becomes, at least from rumblings I've heard, is that, you know, he's he's handcuffed a little bit at times. And that's true. Fellstone says. That's true. What's going on, Houston, Texas? Stan Northlake. And this is next up, Chris Gordy, right beside. Appreciate all your phone calls. Uh, I got Chris out and Kelly. You're coming up. Larry and Stafford. 713-212-5790. Uh, talked a lot of Texans and NFL draft today. Uh, we're going to continue to do that. However, I wanted to make sure I got some Rockets talk in. And for those that didn't hear that last segment, forgive me if y'all hadn't heard me rant a little bit. That was probably the first time since I've been on this station on a full-time capacity that you've heard that. I don't expect the Rockets to make the NBA Finals, but it's not too much for me to expect, Gordy, that they don't get their ass beat by 37 points at Oklahoma City Thunder. And it's not just one game. For the last six games, 37-point L, 19-point L, 20-point L, 32-point L. Like, this thing is just not trending in the right direction. And so uh, I... I I want to be respectful to Coach Silas, his staff, the organization that I used to work for. I love those folks over there. They know that. But at some point, the proof is in the pudding. I'm like, this is not getting it done. Not in a city that has as much rich history in NBA basketball as this city does. It's just not acceptable. So, uh, Coach Silas. Too many, si- many first-round picks, too. I mean, when you, when you run through Jabari Smith, Alpi Shingun, Jalen Green, Uzman Garuba, Tari Eason, Josh Christopher, uh, Ty Ty Washington. I mean, these are all guys you've spent high draft picks on. And again, I get the youth, but like even the youth, you know, like the youth movement, you start to see improvement as the year goes along. They start to gel. It just, Jalen Green doesn't look like he's gelling with anybody out there. Culture and identity are two words that I keep writing before I note a question mark. What is the culture? What is the identity? And I juxtapose that to our guy over there off Kirby. I'm looking at Coach Ryans, and I go, D'Amico, and and Gordy, I think this would be a really good conversation before we get to the phone calls. This could be a really good conversation because I think we feel slightly differently about the group over at Kirby. Some people think D'Amico and the organization, he and Casario, should take the slow process. And by slow, it means get your quarterback, to your point, get Bryce Young. Then you build around that, and that may take two seasons, three seasons. I'm of the mindset to avoid how we feel about the Rockets right now. Go the other way. D'Amico Ryans would be doing himself more of a favor by winning this year than he would by slow building. Why, Why do you say that? Because you can't just coach the. Let's say it's Bryce Young. Let's say for whatever reason Bryce Young is it too. Um, Todd McShay has C.J. Stroud coming to the Texans at number two in his most recent mock. The functionality of an NFL locker room is predicated on we play one game a week, and because of the contact nature of this sport, the collision nature of pro football, my next play. Next game, next contract, it's not guaranteed. So you owe it as an organization to me to put me in the best possible position to do what we do this thing for, to win games. I can't – so in other words, D'Amico, Coach Ryan, you have a six-year deal. 
I'm making up somebody. Uh, Petrie doesn't. Damien Pierce doesn't. I got you. Damien so Pierce, it's, it's like it's so a culture saying, thing. You, you like, and I get it. Like, if you take a, a rookie quarterback this year, the expectation is he's going to go through his struggles. But I also don't think if you take a rookie quarterback, the, the clock starts. And I think the expectation should be by year two, you are you are competitive. I think that's you a are, healthy. You are a playoff a caliber team. It just happened with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. It just happened with Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. Sure. So, uh, and there have been others, Josh Allen in his first year. So I don't think you're necessarily – like, to me, it's more wasting everybody else's time when you're going with a bridge quarterback because it is what it is. The word bridge means we're not where we want to be. This is a this is a Band-Aid on a, on a busted pipe. I'm not there. It's a temporary fix. All right, so I'm prepared to say this. Perhaps you disagree. Then we'll get to the phone lines. Uh, hit us up anytime you want to chime in on the phone call, on the conversation, rather. 713-212-5790. 212-5790. Sometimes my East Coast kicks in. I talk fast. Gordy, I'm prepared to say this. And I'm willing to bet a healthy amount, although I don't gamble. I got enough vices. Jimmy Garoppolo helps this team win more games in 2023 than Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis. Okay. They win more games. Who wants to win? Like, I don't That's my point. Say what, no, no. Say what you were getting ready to say. That's it right there. Who wants to what? Who wants to? Like, 2023, I don't care. I care about 2024, 2025, 2026. I, no, I, D'Amico and I care about 2023. Nick Casario cares about 2023. Uh, the, Jerry Hughes cares about 2023. You cannot, in a league that has a shelf life as short as this, tell grown men, go fight your ass off for me, but I'm not going to put you in best best scenario to win. Well, I don't know. You, I mean, I think everybody gets what it is. If you're drafting Bryce Young number two or C.J. Stroud, everybody understands this is a this is a process. And the hope is by the end of the year, the hope is by the end of the year that quarterback is playing better. Look, you might catch lightning in a bottle. Bryce Young might be the best rookie to come out could be. since whoever and, could. and hits the ground running. You need that. If you have a dynamic quarterback, it changes the timeline entirely, right? You can start winning immediately. I think Bryce is more likely than Stroud. But as you said, Bryce's size makes you worry. It may be good at the start. He may look like the future. Week 12, he gets injured. Then you're, where are you? It's a fair point. Let's go out to the phone lines. Let's get uh, Chris out in Keller. has been holding for a little bit. Chris, welcome in. You're next up, bro. There's so much a process here. I mean, the conversations can just go in so many directions. That's fair. As for the Rockets, uh, I really think everything starts with scouting. I feel like the scouting department just sits back and just looks at the ESPN top ten players, and that's what they go off of. Because I watched – Jabari Smith, when he was at Auburn, and especially during the tournament, and I'm going to tell you, that guy was, he was a no-show. He got his points, but the points looked like there were a lot of easy points, easy layups, fast break type stuff. I didn't see a guy with talent that would create, that would lead an NBA team to something great. Uh, Same thing kind of with Green. He's a great athlete. You know, he can handle the ball, but he doesn't look like a great basketball player. And I think the scouting department, I think they're just shooting from the hip, putting players together. And I think the coach just says, well, this is what I got to work with. This is the best I can do with what I got. Now, is the coach going to change that? I don't know. But I think the scouting department needs the overhaul first before you start changing the coach. And as far as the Texans, I kind of agree with the idea. If, if Bryce Young is not 
over six foot or if he's not six foot and over 190 pounds, he's not a take. I'd be okay if you take that second round pick and trade it and get a whole bunch more picks because one of the biggest common factors I saw with teams like Jacksonville, Philadelphia, 49ers, all these teams in Cincinnati, is they were bad for a while, but being bad for a while allowed them to build up such a great foundation that when they got to that point, they could get that one quarterback, get a couple of fill-in players, and boom, they're in the you know they're playing for uh, titles and championship games. So I can see the point of don't really have to take that quarterback number one. You can you can build for a while, get your team ready, and then boom, go for it. Appreciate the call, Chris from Keller. On the way out, Gordon, comment from you. I know somewhat we're being somewhat repetitive, but new audience, new people listening, people may not have heard your take on where you stand with the number two pick. Yeah, you sucked for a reason. Now reward yourself and get your quarterback. That's all I got to say. It's, it's, it, it is the, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. This is not hard to figure out. When we start talking about bridge quarterbacks and Band-Aids, None of them is a solution for the long-term. We're looking for long-term answers here. I'm looking for just, can I get back to where D. Watt left us? Can, can we get back to winning the AFC South? I'll start there, Gordy. But who who that, can help us that, do that? We're trying to win Super Bowls here. I, and I and get D. It, Watt so had us two games from being in the bowl. Yeah, but but you, oh, never, two games from winning you never got over that, huh? I mean, well, we were 24-0. Deshaun Watson, well, right. Like, because you had Deshaun Watson, that's why you came so close. We needed Deshaun Watson. And Jacksonville also had back-to-back number one picks, so they also had to take those elite talents besides just, you know, building the rest of the roster, but taking Trevor Lawrence kind of sped up the process immediately where they started feeling like you could make some noise pretty quickly. What should the Texans do with the 12th pick? ESPN's Todd Miche's mock draft tells us what that should do. Do we agree? We'll discuss that more next up right here on Sports Talk 790. With your Don next up. Pitchers tremble with fear. Johan Alvarez, a walk of three run homer. With Norfleet and Gordy on next up, bellies tremble with hunger. Mm, lunchtime is so close. Till then, chow down on more. Next up. Unbelievable! Welcome back. Final segment of the show here on Next Up. Uh, as we continue to discuss what's going on with uh, Todd McShay, ESPN Big Shot, when it comes to the NFL draft and talent evaluation. Uh, his mock draft came out yesterday. Gordy and I did not get a chance to really dissect that thing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if you Before do- we do anything, we got to say who he has taken 12th because we, I think we've teased it every segment. We, we have. Here it. we go. We got to pay that off. So at 2. He has C.J. Stroud going to the Texans, and then at 12, wide receiver one out of TCU. You saw him in the national championship game, Quentin well, Johnson. Kind of. Yeah, Not one much catch. of him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I should say in the playoff. Huh? Yeah, big 12-tie <laughs> game over the court to the college football playoff. You saw the kid. Um, just your overall thoughts. How would you Love feel it. if the quarterback was taking it too, which yep. you want them to do? I'm mm-hmm. not convinced that's what they should do, but – the receiver at 12, and that is wide receiver one in this mock draft. He's fantastic. Here's what McShay said. He said, if you draft a quarterback at two, it's smart to set him up to succeed with a strong supporting cast. Run game got a bump from Damian Pierce last year. 
O-line is solid. John Mechie should return to join Brandon Cooks in the receiving core. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, but we're talking about the league's worst offense last year. Average under five yards per play. Stroud mm-hmm. would need a big body receiver to go up and get 50-50 balls, stretch the field, produce after the catch. That is Quentin Johnston. I love the film on Quentin Johnston. He he almost looks a little bit like, because uh, he's got the long hair hanging out. I hate mm-hmm. to just do, you know, oh, he looks All like this guy. All black people look alike? Yeah, no, no, no. you doing it? No, no, no. But d- there are shades <laughs> of DeAndre Hopkins to his game. Now, he doesn't have the breakaway speed that D-Hop has. Not quite as... Um... But he's physical. Elusive. He's physical. Yeah. If you watch watch the film. I mean, he's he's big. He's physical. He goes up and gets the ball. The only thing here is, I wonder if Jordan Addison fits more what they want to do. No, I like the Bobby, Addison. The Bobby Slowick offense. Mm-hmm. You know, could could Jordan Addison be more the Debo Samuel? You know, the six foot smaller guy that I don't like him in that role, but I do like him in the offense. To your point, get I the think ball. Addison only has rushed a couple times. Yeah, you get the Debo, ball on the on the perimeter and get in the hands of your playmakers, and you let them go. Yeah, I mean, like I could easily see tons of plays, whether it's Bryce or CJ Stroud at quarterback, where you're literally hut, snap the ball, turn, throw it to Addison, let him go, let him go. I mean, that's that's what he that's what he is. But Quentin Johnson is more let's stretch the field. You know, it's it's the D-hop type uh, receiver. So I'm fine either way. But, um, again, for what this offense is going to be, if it is similar to what the Niners ran, and that's where D'Amico and, and Bobby Slowick and all these guys are coming from, maybe Addison fits more what they want to do. If Johnson runs a sub-4-5, I think you have to take him just on the fact alone that he becomes a freak of nature at that size. You know, it's going to be dynamic. If yeah. he's too tall and too slow, he's like an Alshon Jeffrey, and it's for fine. Any, but you For know. anybody out there, go just – Go YouTube Quentin Johnson. Go watch his highlights. You'll fall in love with him. What say you? Let's go out to the heights. Michael wants to chime in on building the Texans. Michael, keep it tight for me, please. Give me about 30, 40 seconds. What's up, man? Hey, man, that last caller, we don't have time to, to take our time to rebuild the team. The team has to win now. So many people have dis, are disinvested. Like, I, I, I barely watched the team last year and the year before. I mean, they've been bad for three, four years now. Uh and it's it's hard to watch. So we need a quarterback, and we need offense. We and honestly, with even the number twelve pick, I mean, take your pick. We need so many players. I mean, how can you miss? And that's all I got. It's a fair point. Uh, there are some holes at just about every level over there, Kirby. I have some comments on that coming up after these phone calls. Let's head out to the north side of things. Paul, what's up, bro? You're next up. All right, how y'all doing? Uh, First you. of all, I'd like to say, you know, the, the the quarterback situation is important, of course. But I would think D'Amico would go and get someone that's already somewhat established playing quarterback, someone like Cooper Rush, you know? What would his chances be of coming to Houston? And I'll hang up a little. I appreciate the call. I'm going to comment on Cooper Rush because that's just a name that we haven't heard on this station in a while. He's available. He's a free agent. Look at what San Fran did with Brock Purdy. They won, what, seven, eight games? Could a guy like Cooper Rush come in and give you a season's worth of I quarterback play while a Hendon Hooker develops? Could it happen? I'm not saying that's what I would do, but I understand the philosophy. The way San Francisco thinks, they think scheme over player. And then you slot in certain players to fuel the scheme, but the scheme itself is timeless. Well, put yourself in Cal McNair's shoes. Mm-hmm. We're trying to sell tickets, and nobody buying a damn ticket to come watch Cooper Rush play as a as a bridge quarterback. <laughs> Cal McNair also understands. You know what keeps fans buying tickets? 
wins. I've seen the same Matthew Stafford that was competitive in Detroit when he won the Super Bowl in L.A. Detroit stands didn't look crazy. Just I mean, like, just because you got a guy, it's a lot of empty stadiums around the league. I think it's more to it than that. I'm going to take this last phone call and then go there. I'll get your comments and we'll get ready to get up out of here. Who is that? Is that Gio wants to talk some Texans? How's it going, Stan? Uh, first time calling since you've been here, man. I just want to say great job, man. And welcome to, 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 to 790 and all that. Thank you, bro. But uh, uh, quick quick thing here, man. I just want to say, as Indy would say, am I on something or am I on to something? <laughs> yeah. I hear both of you guys. I hear both of y'all's arguments. And it, 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 would it be crazy if we go get a fit man like a Jimmy G or like the last caller said, a Cooper Rush, but at the same time still drafting a Bryce Young or whoever it may be, and just have them sit, you know what I'm saying? And I think that'll have the fans like, okay, at least we got, you know, something for the future, and at the same time, we can still win now. It's an interesting point. Gordon, we have not discussed that. Something we can chew on overnight, maybe. We'll bring that up tomorrow. Is there a world, maybe not Jimmy G, just because of what he's going to want and command from a salary standpoint, but I don't know that you can get Jimmy G and still afford to double down on the quarterback at two. If they were going to take a quarterback in the yeah, second round. Yeah, is not going to come here. If you're, he wants to go somewhere where he can start. He's not correct. going to go, yeah, I'll come uh, start for a year until Bryce Young's ready. Like, And he wants to come and make his money. Yeah. Jimmy G's accustomed to yeah, making good money. He cheap either. No, so Jimmy G's going to command north of $25 million, which is starter money in the NFL. So, I don't know. Uh, Geno Smith is a free agent in Seattle. Is that right? Seattle owes him some money. I think Geno's a guy that could be on some list of free agents, somebody to watch. Yeah, they're not, they can't let him go, though, right? They have no plan there. They got to bring him back. It's Pete Carroll and Schneider. Who knows what the hell they're going to do? He just played great for them. They can't. They can't. I mean, they can draft Are their quarterback in the yeah. future, but pay, I mean, who's if they don't pay Geno, who's going to pay him? So Geno's earned some money. Somebody's going to give it to him. I'm not saying it should be the not Texans. That many quarterback needy teams out there. Like we expect the 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 Panthers are going to draft a quarterback, the Colts are going to draft a quarterback, and the Texans are going to draft a quarterback. But all of those teams could do the scenario that Gio just outlined. We're going to draft a guy and still put somebody out there to start for us. No, the Seahawks just did that with with uh, with Gino, and again, I th- I think they'll run it back with him. I can't see like the Panthers going. We're going to take Anthony Richardson at nine. And we're going to sign Geno Smith to a multi-year deal. I think like. for the Panthers specifically, that's exactly what they should do. Richardson and Levis are more project. Levis is more ready to play than Richardson in my mind. But I could see the Panthers or whoever takes Richardson saying, hey, we're going to take him, let him sit, and we just need a wily vet, steer the ship, mentor the young pup, and then we see, you know, when you look up halfway into it the all season. Comes at a cost. You know, like oh, yeah, it, what can you pay? Like, like, in all these scenarios, it'd be beautiful, yeah, if we could get Geno Smith on a one-year, $8 million deal. But that ain't happening. That's like, not happening. You know, multi-year deals for all these guys. For sure. Well, that's it for this Thursday edition of Next Up. Thanks for all of your calls, participation, social media. Appreciate Josh filling in for Trey. Great job out of you. Gordy, you were yes, less yelling at me today, so that was good. <laughs> but always a pleasure to have your company. Houston, always appreciate you. Y'all sit tight. More sports commentary coming up. Maybe Matt Thomas can tell us what the hell happened in Oklahoma City last night. This has been Next Up, and of course, this is the Mighty Sports Talk 790.